Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined every week by Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. We're doing a two-part episode this week. This is the first part, and it is going to be mostly the news, as we usually do. And it is part one, and it is titled, uh, It Begins, The Madness Has Started. Uh, and This is episode 57. So, as always, we begin with the latest recruiting news, and the madness is sort of two things. It's silly season with coaches getting fired and hired. It is decommit season and recommit season. And then the and the portal has blown up, and it's not even really official portal time yet. So it's 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 off to a rocking start. So we'll begin with the a surprising bit of news. Um, and I'm glad we didn't review his film this week because I had planned to maybe actually do that. So I'm glad that we didn't do that. So oh, you got to decommit. Now I've followed OU football recruiting for about. 20 years, 25 years, kind of religiously. And I've never really known OU to get this far in recruiting without a decommitment. And it happened. Dozy uh, Ezukama has decommitted from OU, the wide receiver from Dallas, Texas, who had a fantastic senior year, really loved his film. We were going to talk about his film. Posted over 1,000 yards. He had a couple of 200-yard days to end the season. Um, His brother is an NFL wide receiver connected with Emmett Jones. So I was like the connection with Emmett Jones is the only reason I'm surprised here. I'm not surprised one of the receivers left out of a five receiver group. So Caleb Dozy's left, but I tend to view the, the recruiting universe works in mysterious ways. You lose someone and then all of a sudden someone flips your way. I don't know who that guy is going to be. If I did, we'd tell you, but I think in the next three weeks and now that Dozy has decommitted OU in a karmic kind of retribution kind of way to, to mix my religious metaphors all over the place, is going to end up with a flip from somewhere. And, and we'll, if we, once we hear something on that, we'll let you guys know. But you lost Dozy, in my opinion. You've got Ivan Carrion and you've got Zion Kearney as your big receivers. You've got KJ Daniels and Reagans as your elite speed guys. I, I think OU absorbs this blow relatively easily from a recruiting standpoint. Oh, I agree completely. And I really, I said this in the chat when his when his tape came out, and I was like, I really like Dozy because yeah, he is six four, probably one hundred eighty five pounds. Got a, a frame that'll put on a lot of weight, and he's really uh, he's he's really good for a big guy in and out of his breaks. Quick, he can accelerate, he can decelerate. He's got really good hands, uh, you know. So I, he, I really liked him, but at the same time, uh, again, you're, you're you're not you can't just go out and recruit eight wide receivers every year. You've got to you know you've got to build a team. And when you look at you, know, I mean, my gosh, right? You kind of pull back and say like, what's the one position that if you had to lose a guy from a decommit? That as you know, as you look at your twenty-four class and your twenty-five class, just moving forward, and, and as well as what you have on campus, what position could you afford to lose somebody? 
like wide receiver would be the very top by far. Like it looks like Emmett Jones ha- has got, you know, I mean, I didn't realize he had this good of a year. until I saw Nick Anderson stats, he had 730 yards receiving uh, this past year. I think almost had like nine touchdowns. Right. So, I mean, he's barely scratching the surface of what he is and who he could be. And everybody has noticed the end of year. I mean, it's, I guess just now putting words to it. I mean, we've noticed how much better Jaden Gibson has gotten, but when you really kind of pull back and look at it, it's he's really come on end of year where early it was, you know, some late game stuff here and there. You kind of throw him in and I don't want to say non-competitive because I think the big play he got against Ohio, Iowa State rather, who was still in a competitive time of the game, but he's now turned into a guy that they're leaning on. He was, you know, I mean, a game Oklahoma could have easily lost on the road conference BYU against a BYU team that fighting for a bowl, and I know they were not good, they decided to flip everything on its head. It's like, we're going to run a new defense. We're going to run a new offense. We're going to put a new quarterback in and was coming after Oklahoma. And they, you know, I mean, in some ways it was Jaden Gibson that emerged. So wide receivers, that position, you could say, you know, you can afford to lose somebody. You, you know, like you said, you've got you've got really a great class. You know, Kearney is your he's six three, one ninety five. He's you know, I think an alpha, a one. You've got Daniels and Reagans. Who, first off, I think Daniels. There's no way he's only five ten, one fifty. When you watch his senior film, nah, he's, he's, he's bigger, bigger than, than that. Bigger than so that. I think he can. You know, he'll he'll play all over a little bit uh, fast. Uh, Reagan's. He's 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 quick. I mean his his acceleration and his. If you watch his senior film, there's a play. I believe the 42nd clip is where it starts. It's either an end around. I think it's a maybe like a curl. He gets and he turns up and he splits the corner and the and the play side safety. He splits them, right? Like they're both coming in, going to make it. He just turns on the gas, he splits both of them, and then the backside safety has an angle where he should get him about the 10, and he just keeps on pulling away and outruns the angle. And I'm watching it, and the, the tape's not great because you are <laughs> you can barely see if he outruns the last guy, and I find myself like leaning to the left being like, did he did he outrun him? Uh, and he did. And, and so, yeah, I'm – have, you know, I know people have been like, oh, go get Bussy and, and, and drop Daniels. And it's like, if they got Bussy, that'd be great. But uh, Daniels, you know, in, in today's game especially, right? Because you don't get a lot of, you don't get a lot of uh, old school like corner in your face going to press you every single snap. There's it's a little basketball on grass, and when you have his acceleration, he can be, you know, he can he can make short things into into big plays. So that that position could could afford to lose a player. So. And I was re- I, and I've been really surprised with who you got out of Brandon Thompson, even with limited play this year. Oh man! Based upon based upon the 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 one catch he got at Texas last year. Well, and it was yeah, like a quick screen against Oklahoma State, and he went for like thirty yards, and that was it. But I, you are exactly right because every time that kid gets on the field, it's I kind of I'm I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised. Because like okay, here trots a what is he five ten, one hundred and sixty pounds, right? So he's not yeah. big kid. Yeah. But every scouting report, I assume, I assume, and it may be because he hasn't played that much; it's not in there. But I would assume every every defensive coordinator knows. Okay, when they bring fifteen in, he's run ten two or ten one eight or whatever it is. Put a hand on him. Yeah, do something. They're gonna try to throw him deep. Like we've got to have a guy over the top. And every time he comes in, he runs by everybody. 
And so I'm really interested to see as Jackson gets in because, you know, nothing against like, you know, Dylan's an all-time sooner. But Jackson has a much stronger arm. Yeah, I think his better yeah. timing on his deep ball comes out sooner, quicker release, and you know better better arc, better, better arc. arc. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what they're able to do with with Brennan in in the deep game. Yeah, I think it was. I I think you mentioned the two because he's a bigger Dozy's a bigger receiver. And if I was Dozy looking at Gibson and Anderson having you know that last four games, last half of the season after Anthony went down. It took a couple of games to get shake it out, but I really felt like, you know, the last four games along with Sorchuk, right? Those guys, if you know, and, and Jaden Gibson, I mean, Sooner fans kind of were almost ready for him to hit the portal after his um, poor spring game effort, and to mentally rally from that, and to, I mean, the last thing you could say about him is his hands, right? I mean, he catches everything, and in the spring, he couldn't catch, you know. It looked like he couldn't catch anything, right? Like the guy's got no hands. He needs like a handectomy, you know. It is that was the- it is funny because and it's probably one of those things like it got you most excited about Emmett Jones because you nailed it. I mean, in the one he dropped in the spring game was not his fault, right? It's a you know, rollout. He he takes his route, or it's a drag route, and he turns it vertical, and it's just a ball. It it's almost impossible to catch when he is opening up and running full tilt, right? For him to be able to stop on a dime, turn back, and then get it low. Like that was going to be difficult. But, you know, that and then the drop in the end zone, it just turned into where, like you said, I think every fan was like, he can't catch anything. He dropped one against TCU. And he's dropped all these in the spring. And I think, I know I did. I had this massive worry that, like, oh man, here's this talented kid. And you're watching his, you know, his confidence fall apart. And you just hope, even from a personal standpoint, like that that doesn't happen. He doesn't lose himself. So to see him come out this year, and it's like back shoulders and jump balls, and he's ripping it away from DBs, and he's catching it and taking a shot on the hip right as he catches it from Iowa State. You're like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> like you went from like struggling to, you know, hit your hands to now to do the basics. And now he's making every difficult catch in the book. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it, but I, I, I just think if I'm dozy, I'm like, well, Zion's in this class. He's a, he's a walk off the, he's like a first team walk off the bus guy. Um, and then those two guys. And then, you know, obviously, and also Ivan carry on also had a very good year. Um, Oh you know, gosh, a thousand yards. Yeah. You know, I, I I thought that was a recruiting mistake, and obviously Emmett Jones knows a lot more about wide receiver recruiting than I do, which is why he is who he is, and why I'm why I'm I'm not a, a wide receiver coach. Um, so he looks so much better too. So uh, you know, it's it's you know it's it's again I loved his film, so I was a little disappointed from that aspect. But again, as as long as we'll see in a couple of weeks, as long as the recruiting fates. Balance out their uh, the balance out uh, the scales here. I think OU will be all right. So if 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 fate was to look at you and say, Chris, what position do you want? When you looked at and, you know if it said, Hey, you're going to lose one, you're going to get one. Don't give me a name. Give me a position. It's high school offensive tackle. Oh well, yeah. I, it, it, I'll give you a name. It would be Andrew Sprague realizing. Michigan's a really long drive, and Casey Rockhurst to Norman's easy, and that works. And 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 if you if you if you land if you if your two tackles were Autry and Sprague, you would be like, 
yeah, that works. Let's move on. It is surprising Oklahoma missed on Sprague and Massey because under Brent and you know when he was here with Bob before, when Oklahoma really wanted a kid out of Kansas, they, they went and got him. And, and it's been that way a little bit as well. So um, you know we got Boganowski, which I thought was you know was a was a key win. Yeah, looking back, it looks like a key win. Um, I'm kind of wrong on that. I was a little weak, lukewarm on him, but watching his senior film and watching how seeing how big he is when he came to Norman, I'm like, oh. Okay, yeah, that works. But yeah, so that, I, I think that's where I would go offensive tackle, maybe, you know. Um, but, you know, if, but, but really, Caleb, if you gave me a top one, somebody who I think is a top 100 kid at any position, I'd be like, that's a win. You know, we're, we're in the talent, we're in the talent acquisition business. And if you could, if you could tell me, you know, someone at D end or someone at, at cornerback, you know, with all the corner injuries we've, we've absorbed, even though we got three cornerbacks in the class, you, if you gave me a top 100 corner, I'd be like, yep, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. So uh, I think safety is the only position I think is overloaded from a, from a freshman standpoint, bringing freshmen, you all, you know, Bogo, uh, Boganowski, uh, Powers, and Hardy all should have been enrolling early. So that's good because that's, we, that's an infusion of talent yeah. and depth. That, when but, we talked about that, that's it, that's a good call because I think Powers, and we'll see on Hardy because Hardy plays against great competition in the DFW, and he obviously he's got a chip on his shoulder, like he doesn't back down from anything or anybody, no. and so I don't think he doesn't let his size impact him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it does as he gets to college. But Powers and Bogo are both bigger kids that Big you kids, would think, hey, physically, yeah. you know, we'll see how they grasp it mentally. But physically, they, they shouldn't have a problem holding up. So, oh, you did have a couple of visitors and some action for the TCU game, which um, was the, you know, was the recruiting black hole that is a 11 a.m. local kickoff on Black Friday. It's not exactly a prime recruiting you know, it's not like prime time Saturday. Um, so, but a couple of interesting names have popped up with forecasts recently. Owen Hollenbeck was back in town for the game. He's a big offensive guard from Melissa, Texas. Could be a center, kind of maybe like a, an Eric Wren kind of type. Big, just this, just rock in the middle. He's very physical. A lot of forecasts in for OU with him. He's from Melissa, Texas. Teammates with Nigel Smith. So, OU's seen him a lot because they've been recruiting Nigel for two years. So they've seen him a lot. He's probably a high three, maybe a low four. But I think if he were to verbal to OU, it'd be a nice start to an O-line class. Getting an interior player, um, probably probably going to enroll early and just... He's, he's very... According to the Melissa folks in an article from 247, he's broken two face masks of, of defensive linemen this year. So... Uh, apparently he he is the shovier. He would shove his grandmother in a in a in a locker to to get a to get a to move him to move her to to get a yard to get a yard a, a yard you need in the run. Game. He is so, he is the Marshawn Lynch of interior offensive lineman. Have you ever seen that clip when he did his sixty minutes interview? Yeah, it's the greatest. I mean, yeah. from that moment forward, I was like, oh, he will be one of my favorite <laughs> NFL athletes of all time. And he's making good, he's making good pitch money. So all all. All props to Marshawn, making some cash right. post-game. But uh, the other guy starting to get forecasts with is Max Granville. He's the edge from Sugarland, And he's very, very good. He's going to be like a top 100 guy. He's 6'4", 215, 220. Um, as a play where he flies in and 
looks like he nearly takes a, takes the quarterback's head literally off. Um, it's probably a personal foul, but it's an impressive looking pass rush off the edge. I, I think he's, I, my opinion, I think he, he looks as good as Colin Simmons uh, did as a junior. That, so, that's a, that is, that's, that's, that's big. Although, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's very, and he loves, and he apparently loves OU and he loves Miguel Chavis. So that's awesome. I have, I have to watch his film. I've watched, I've watched Holland Beck uh, inside. And I've, yeah, he's a, uh, he's a mall. He's man, a mall. Yeah, yeah. He's honestly, uh, and again, I've gotten this little tangent of just, just watching more offensive line film being like, gosh, in, at high school level, like gravitating, find myself gravitating toward Midwestern offensive linemen because you just see so much of the going to come off the ball, you know, uh, as where when you watch a lot of the Texas high school stuff, it's real spread heavy pass quick game. And so offensive linemen kind of just get in the way for a second sometimes, uh, but not, not Melissa and not Hollenbeck. He is, uh, He's coming off a ball, smashing folks, you know, I, whether it's center or guard, like he's a little, it looks like when you see him on film that he's stubby, that when you see pictures of him with everybody, he doesn't look that way. Uh, you know, I immediately bet like, uh, you know, gosh, the old Redskins, the hogs, like that's what it looks like. Yeah. You know, it just looks like a mauler. Like he's the guy. You he, he looks like a Cincinnati, Cincinnati Muller, Archbishop Muller kind of, Offensive guard looks like he's in the wrong state. Honestly, he, like when you watch when you watch Ohio when you watch Ohio State Michigan this past weekend, and the Michigan offensive line comes trotting out, and they're all these big. It's like blocks, right? Like they're almost as <laughs> wide as they are tall. You know, just these big blocks of mass that come out there and just move other people. And that's kind of that's honestly that's kind of holding back. He's about a, he's about as broad as he is tall. Or he looks – he's not – I mean, he's six four, so he's not literally, but – No, but you know you know what I mean. Like, he it, he's just a – It's the perspective. Yes. The perspective, like, it's like, okay. And, you know, you a big center – a big guy like that anchoring the middle at center works, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. You know, I think guys like him – I think it's one of the things where I, I always thought one of the reasons Creed excelled is – uh, he's so unbelievably strong when teams would put a zero, you know, over his nose, he was never getting overwhelmed physically, right? Even if he wasn't moving that guy, you know, three yards off the ball, like his ability to get his, you know, quickly get his hands inside or, you know, readjust. And once he got a hold of those guys, it didn't really matter who it was at the nose spot. He was going to be able to, you know, move them physically uh and i think that's what it takes for all times with your centers or guys like that that are just physically extremely strong and intelligent yeah so between hollenbeck and, and granville that's two more um future casts crystal balls for ou for 2025 uh there's a couple other floating names kind of floating out there to have crystal you know have have forecasts so it's it's the it's going very well for for the 25 class. Still a lot of momentum there. And then the one big name that did visit, Caleb, and um, I want to point it out because O-line recruiting, you know, has been kind of a – everyone's sort of in a panic over it. And I understand the Bricks thing was just kind of a mess. Um, is that Lamont Rogers, the 6'7", 300-pound tackle from Mesquite, Texas. You sure he's not 6'8"? He no, I'm not. Because I, I <laughs> and he may be, and he may be three twenty. Just I, lean. I'm, I'm the way he like, I, he made AD look not very big, and AD may be a lot leaner 
Uh, you know, he, I think he's leaned up, but he's still AD. Yeah, I mean, I, he's still six two. He's six one six two. He's probably still at two hundred pounds. Maybe he's not two twenty five anymore. But man, he made him look just lean, small. It's like it's like when it's like the the guy who made um who made Bob Stoops look like a. I, I jokingly said, you know, that that guy makes Bob. You know, Bob Bob against it was I think the tackle. I think it was Connor Cardi was on campus the prosper offensive guard. And I was like, who's someone like, who's that? And I'm like, well, you know, that, who's the guy who makes Bob look like a hobbit. I'm like, well, he's some six foot six, 300 pound kid from Texas. I mean, it's just, it's anyway. So Lamont is a large human being. I'm holding my hands on my arms out here on an audio podcast. Big dude. To try and give you an idea of his wingspan. So he was on campus and that's the second time he's come up this fall. Um, and again, I don't know where OU is with him because everybody wants him. He's a top 50 tackle in the country, right? Top 50 player in the nation and tackle. Everybody wants him. But Caleb, I think we can, without going over the top, say if he's driving up the Friday after Thanksgiving for an 11 a.m. OU kickoff, he's pretty interested in the Sooners. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would think. You see that or you're really bored and you've got a ride. Uh, cause you know, I mean, you look at Oklahoma, but even then yeah. that's like, that's even from Mesquite, that's still what? Three hours, probably two and a half. Oh, it's probably closer to three. It's two forty-five to three from Mesquite. That, that entire area just keeps growing so fast. So yeah, it, it's, you know, he, you're, you're interested, right? Like you're, you're up at seven, you're up at 7am to get into a seat by 11am at for that kickoff. Oh, absolutely. And so they were probably up. And, and, and at, they and probably teenager, left there by 5:30 or 6 in the morning to be there for pregame and go in and meet the coaches and do all of that, right? So uh he, he's definitely interested. And, and that's I mean, this as much as and I think the offensive line class in region was a little bit better in 2024 than what some other folks think. Uh but I'm also I'm higher like on on Massey and and Ellis Davis, well, I was like some of the senior stuff, but then, then on some of the kids, then in, in yeah, region, yeah. then others. But having said that, the 2025 offensive line class in region looks loaded to the extent that there's going to be some big names. And I'm stop. You've heard this before, right? Lincoln Riley. This is what we heard every spring, right? It's like, well, they're going to yeah, be turning yeah, big yeah. dogs away. It really looks like it. You know, because you've got Hollenbeck being forecasted. You've got a kid out of Owasso that looks like another really good interior guard, right? Oh, you hasn't offered. I haven't him yet, offered him yet, but, but you know, they, don't be but shocked. They could. They could. He, and there's they a. Could, they could. And there is a. He actually, he actually, he clotheslines a guy in a play. It's actually he's trying to do the Walter Rouse block two guy. Oh man, he, he had me We're on the about Blake Cherry. Blake Cherry in Owasso. He had me on the a really good film. Yeah, his first he, clip. He, he a guy gets hands to the face or rips his helmet off, and he comes peeling back and blows up the the pile. And you're like, okay. I mean, I, I look. Well, he, I love he, an he asshole the on Rouse. film. So <laughs> he does the Walter Rouse thing where he's trying to block two guys, right? You know, the, the Texas uh-huh. play, the infamous Texas play where Rouse is blocking two guys, and he and he's blocking the other guy, and the guy kind of makes a move indirectly. So he accidentally clotheslines it with his left arm, just bam, just you know, just completely clotheslines the guy. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a foul. I'm not sure you're allowed to actually clothesline defensive linemen, but maybe they didn't pick it up because you know who knows. But so you got Blake Cherry, who's a good-looking in-state kid. Who, if OU offered him, I'd be like, and 
and played him at guard, I'd be like, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Oh, yeah, 6'5", 6'6", 300 pounds. But he's a good example of what I mean, right? It's He's a really good player. Uh, probably he's not. He's not going to be a five star. He won't be. He will not be a top two fifty four star. I don't think. I could be wrong. Could be wrong because I don't know what he'll look like at these camp circuits, and that depend. That dictates a lot. Uh, but he's a good example of like if you're Oklahoma, and you think, hey, this is you know from who we are and what we want to be. He he and Hollenbeck are that. Right, they're six four, six five, three hundred pound interior guys that love to just kick the crap out of people and are going to be physical all day long, and they have the physical ability. Like, sign me up for those. Well, you got to be careful because you know your numbers crunched. You offer both of them, you take both of them, and then you're you know you're like, okay, who do we, who can we not take now? And you look at the even just the DFW, it's loaded with offensive tackles. You know, I mean, Denton uh, Ryan's got two that you know Oklahoma would probably like to have, uh, and then you know kids out of Mesquite. And, uh, you got the Coleman twins, and you've got the kids from uh, gosh, what was it Adam Shedd's high school? Uh, the Longhorns, Cedar Cedar Hill. Uh, you know, yeah, so, the two, yeah, the two, yeah. the two Coleman twins from Shooter Hill. So, you've got Ty Harwood. You've got you've got uh, Michael Fasusi, and then you've got an unbelievable looking tackle in Kansas, Andrew Babola, who's also another top fifty kid who loves you know. And Bill, they they, they say they like Bill right now, and Bill's recruiting them. So I again, that didn't work out this last son, this last class, but you know, again, you. It, a 17-year-old kid is not – 16-year-old kid is not waking up at 5.30 in the morning to do anything if he's not interested in doing it, right? You couldn't have got my ass up at 5.30 <laughs> after Thanksgiving for anything, like to do anything. The fact that he got his, his butt to the game, I think, says, yeah, he's pretty interested in OU. He's got a couple of teammates who are really interested in OU in the 26th class. Maybe that helps, but you, you take, what you, take what you can get. But, again – if you haven't seen Lamont, it's Lamont Rogers uh, on campus. Go go find him on Twitter, and he is he's kids shouldn't be that large, that big, that you know, that young, uh, that young. It's just crazy. So, um, so the biggest story, the biggest recruiting story, sort of, is Jeff Lebby's departure from OU. And uh, uh, Caleb, when I was doing my X space with uh, Barry Wise from the Barry Mac Show, which I do on Mondays. I was talking about one of the ignoring all the on the field stuff. The biggest impact I think for Jeff Levy for OU is that he was able to get OU, keep OU's quarterback recruiting momentum going that Lincoln left and we didn't all of a sudden just have a quarterback drop off that he was able to get Nick Evers and sure Nick Evers didn't work out. And he's now the four string quarterback at Wisconsin. But at the time that was a, that was a good pickup in like two weeks, right? There was some potential there if Nick, you know, if that had gone in a better direction, that would have been a nice pickup. And then he got OU, he got OU Jackson Arnold and he got OU Kevin Sperry and uh, Will Griffin, the 26 quarterback visited already. And he's going around the nation. So he looks like he's a big time kid. And then, you know, so to me, it could be that it could be after Lebby leaves that we actually see the biggest impact of his influence that, you know, in a similar way to Mike Leach brought in Josh Heupel, which stabilized everything and got OU going, but he also brought in Nate Hibble and Jason White. It could be that, you know, we, we think about Dylan Gabriel as being connected with Jeff Lebby and we have, you know, that, that's a, that was a good move for OU at the time. 
but it could be that Jackson Arnold and Kevin Sperrier and maybe Michael Hawkins as well, sorry, and Brandon Zerbrug are what, what's the real legacy for Jeff Levy from a recruiting impact on what he did at OU. Yeah, I, you know, to me it's somewhat unknown uh, because I, I think – I do think that uh, – Obviously, his relationship with Jackson Arnold was what got – is, I think, what got Oklahoma over the top in really, what, a three-week period, four-week period. You know, yeah. they get on campus, and it is, boom, they're there, right? And same thing, I think, with Sperry, where it was like once Oklahoma really zeroed in, they were able to get him really quick. And I think everything you hear about, like, Jeff's an absolute fun guy. He is – he's uh, a good old boy, right? And – and he's easy to be around, fun to talk, you know, fun to talk to, and those types of things. Where I'm always a little bit like, okay, and we do know he had some impact with some of the receivers in this class, right? That he was we do. We do. he was hard on with those guys, recruiting those guys hard, and, and a big part of that. Uh, I guess I'd, I'd put it this way: I think Jeff had a massive impact. I think the interlocking OU that he wore on his shirt and on his hat was a far bigger impact than Jeff himself. And I say that Jackson Arnold, as much as he had a great relationship with Jeff Levy, Ole Miss was coming off a 10-win season and just played in the Cotton Bowl and had a quarterback that was being talked about, potentially being a first-round draft pick. And he was not going to go to Ole Miss and play for Jeff Levy at Ole Miss. Wasn't going to happen. Had no Ohio State probably. Yeah. Or Notre Dame potentially, right? He yeah, was not yeah. going to go to. He was not. He was not going to play for Jeff Levy at Ole Miss. But the moment Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, and Oklahoma called, it was three weeks later. He's he's on board, and I, I really think that it's somewhat probably the truth. Uh, same there with like Kevin Sperry, right? I think you know having Jeff Levy and having a high flying offense and having all those things. But I think what probably really won over. Uh, uh, Sperry were two things. It was Brent Venables and his approach and how he wears his faith on his sleeve because that just 100% matched with Kevin Sperry and his family. And the second thing is it's the University of Oklahoma, the lineage of quarterbacks and, and what they can, what they can sell. And, you know, the, the reality is like that was, the, you know, that started, I mean, you really nailed it, right? It started with Mike Leach bringing in Heupel and, you know, Bob going in his first, Bob Stoops' first recruiting trip he took after he after his uh, press conference. I've heard him tell this story. It's pretty funny, right? He gets on a phone with uh, Tuttle, Oklahoma, and I think the high school football coach and, and Jason White's parents says, hey, I want to come visit you. He's committed to Miami. It's like, okay. You know, and had a press conference that morning, that afternoon, hops in his car and drives over and gets Jason White to commit. Uh, within a week or so. And I mean, you know, after, after announcing Leach's off, as offensive coordinator, yeah. you know, Jason White's like, Oh, I get to throw the ball, you know, 60, you know, I mean, cause how mummy and cause that in Kentucky in 1999, you know, are still, you know, they were, they were, they were, they were cutting edge passing. Game. They were I mean, Tim couch first overall pick. Uh, they were, it was, it was, it was, it was, it, it was revolutionary, right? It changed the game. Uh, it, I mean, completely changed the game. Uh, I mean, when you look at what spread offenses are now, and it's because of what Mike Leach did and Bob Stoops did, 
truthfully, because Bob bring it to a blue blood program. It, it then started feeding everything else and changed Texas high school football. We could go on for days, right? I think it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, overall yeah. impact, but just say all that. If I, I really do believe, you know, and Emmett, Emmett's a really good example of this too. Really good recruiter at Kansas, really good recruiter at Texas tech. You put him in Oklahoma and he's rolling in with that brand. And you all the kids in Texas are watching CD lamb play for the Dallas Cowboys and it's Oklahoma. And all of a sudden every kid is like, I'll come play for you. I want to play at OU. I want to play at OU. I remember Hollywood Brown. I remember them screaming that on Saturday, you know, uh, CD lamb, DD Westbrook, yeah. you know, Sterling, Sterling Shepard. Shepard. And before them, you know, you, you know, it's, it's Clayton and Bradley and, uh, Brandon Jones and, and all those guys. So I, just the brand, I think, is the bigger thing. But I, I so having said that, I'm interested to see what the overall impact is, depending on who they bring in, because there will be a personality impact, right? Like, you know, yeah. personalities attract certain types of folks. And uh, we'll see if that's a, a net positive or if there's going to be, you know, some learning curve where, where Brent maybe has to be more involved on on some things. But I'm also a firm believer in and it's the same thing with the offensive line. You know, I've talked about this. And I put this on the board. Everybody can be really upset at Bill. I'm personally of the opinion this year always need to be a heavy portal year because of the low numbers that Lincoln Riley took on the offensive line for a number of years. And that roster and, and you can't blame yeah, and you cannot blame Bill for guys like Aaron Parks or Nate Anderson not panning out because you can just it's a that's a you're playing an odds game, right? That's a game of probability and not every kid is going to. And, you know, if you've got one first round draft pick and another four year starter out of a five man class, like you hit. Right. And one guy was an injury, you know, you, you didn't even have a chance to develop him right off the bat. That's right. No one else no one else in his injury redshirted. And we don't I'm I'm not sure what that was. And he tried to maybe a concussion later, or something. I think Oklahoma's really hard about if you've had multiple they are, concussions. They're doing, the, they're doing the research. They're, they're like the research yeah. study. For that for so long. Yeah, so you're it's right. Like it was immediately cut to four and 50% of it pans out, which is a higher hit rate than most. But I would say there's like, I'm a firm believer that it relates to offensive line and just all these positions and recruiting in general. And I know things have changed from a timing perspective, but your best teams and your best coaches of all time, there are guys like Bobby Bowden and Nick Saban. They're closers, right? It's my, my, you know, my assistants are going to get guys and they're going to recruit elite guys and they're going to get guys, but they're going to get them to campus and I'm going to close them. Or the way Bobby did it was, you know, nobody signed then until February. And uh, it didn't matter if you were committed or not. If, if Florida State was visiting kids and Bobby Bowden was getting an in-home in January, you know, you know, dang near bet your ass Florida State was going to sign that kid, you know, at least during the 80s and 90s, right? Uh, so I think maybe one of the learnings here is for Brent to be, you know, maybe a little more, involved. maybe a little more involved with offensive line uh, and closing, closing the kids, and closing the kids on, on those things because I think uh, you know it's just offensive linemen are wired differently, right? Uh, a lot of them want will stick regionally, and is where you know. Quarterbacks don't, <laughs> you know, you'll get you'll get Dante more at a wide receivers won't uh, wide won't. receivers, you know, no. yeah. So yeah, but to your point, this is why we've been saying that we wanted last year. We said we wanted five high school offensive linemen. That's right. This year we want five high school offensive linemen, and they're missing the mark, and because that gives you ten guys, which means you can hopefully get three starters out of it, right? 
and now you've now you're only at eight, so now you're only getting two starters. And maybe maybe they do hit a higher percentage, right? Like maybe they do get, you know, maybe you get Caden Green, and you maybe you do get maybe you get three out of that group. Okay, you're off to a good start with Caden being so good, right? But the prior class, twenty two class, you only have Jacob Sexton and Jake Taylor, and Sexton's a hit. So the question is, can you go a hundred percent or you know, or is Jake Taylor just not going to pan out? And that's just the way things happen. So by not having a bigger class with, you know, and I mentioned this again on Barry's, um, on X-Space, is that the, the roster mis- mismanagement Lincoln Riley did to OU is why we don't have any homegrown seniors on defense other than like Woody Washington, right, that are starters. And uh, on offense, we're missing... You know, this, you know, we're missing homegrown starters at wide receiver. You know, it's not a, you know, there's not as the offensive line is missing seniors other than rain, you know, homegrown players is the Lincoln Riley 21, 22 roster mismanagement. Just it, it, it's all over the place, right? You just, it, 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 it impacts. There's not, there's not a homegrown safety. There's not a, you know, there's not a homegrown linebacker who's a senior, Who's an imp, who's a starter? It's a defensive end, you know, defensive tackle. Well, um, to still to still a fantastic movie line, and it is that time of season. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 well, yeah. Well, I won't use the other line, famous line from that movie, which also you know also hits the Lincoln Riley approach. But anyway, um, at least his press conference, his press conference, their lines. But yeah, so I do think. Caleb, though, with the with the QBs that you've got in the pipeline, you you don't necessarily need like a killer QB recruiter at off at oh, offensive coordinator. You don't. That's not a requirement right now. As long as the guy can come in, turn Jackson Arnold into a into what he can be, that'll take care of recruiting quarterbacks. Yes, and that's where you say like, hey, I've said this before, right? I think you can kind of say. If if you told me all of all you know, obviously we know Coleman got shut out against you know Texas in year one of Jeff Levy running the offense, and there were issues, right? I think everybody, uh, Joe Castiglione Jr. had some pretty uh, pretty funny tweets about Jeff leaving. It's like I'm sure he'll catch a jet and sweep right into Starkville. Uh, you know, all that aside. If you said what he did was he helped Oklahoma win 10 games, but what he primarily did is he landed Jackson Arnold, and Jackson Arnold is who we think he's going to be, uh, still Denny Green line. It's that's a massive win because uh, again, to your point, man, it's 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 about brand and kids that are gonna be whatever, 26, 27, 28 recruits they're not really going to know who the offensive coordinator was at any given time. They're just going to know when they go into Oklahoma or they remember being a kid. Oh, I remember watching Kyler Murray when I was a kid. Oh, I remember watching Jalen Hurts when I was a kid in an Oklahoma uniform, in an Oklahoma helmet. I remember, you know, Caleb Williams in one season, or I remember Jackson Arnold. They don't know, oh, well, Jeff Levy recruited him, or this guy recruited him, or this guy coached him. Or I remember the Dylan Gabriel Texas drive. I remember Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, they're going to know, oh, that uniform, that team, that player, the great moments. They're going to know the highlights. Right, especially in you know today's it's it's a it's I don't know how I don't have TikTok, so I don't know how long the little clip things are, but 
whatever they are. Yeah. 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever, right? Like that's, they're going to know the highlights of it all. They're not going to know the details. And so if that's what Jeff's leaving the next guy is, legit elite quarterback, then absolutely. All right. So that's the Lebby, uh, Jeff Lebby uh, background that we'll cover here. Once, once it's all shaken out, we know who's staying, who's leaving, what Venables is doing. We'll do a much deeper dive into the recruiting potentially recruiting impact of that but um you know good wishes to jeff you know uh again he came in and and he and he brought in dylan gabriel and last year was a struggle but i think this year um you know over there's some fits and starts but overall oh you you know dylan gabriel had a good season he's gonna be the big 12 old big 12 quarterback he should be it'll be a crime if he's not so um he absolutely should be you know, you know uh, I, you know, I, I watched, you know, I watched it when I think of the, when I'm thinking of Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy this year, perhaps on a sunshine mode, I'm thinking of the Iowa state and West Virginia, West Virginia games where they just two defenses. I thought was going to, that would give OU some problems. They just, they just steamrolled them. Like they weren't even there. I will say that is one thing I will comment on and kind of give props to is you could say that last year, in 2022, if my memory serving correctly, Oklahoma did not throw the ball well against three three five schemes, and particularly particularly the teams that refuse to get out of the three three five, right? Which you know, there's sometimes you can run them out of it, uh, but those teams that are just gonna like an Iowa State and Kansas State, some regard now they switch to that, and TCU especially. Right, it's like this is who we're gonna be. It's what we're gonna do. Like, yeah, yeah. like it was wild watching Michigan come up with an additional offensive lineman and two tight ends, and, and TCU's like three, three, five. Same thing against Georgia, <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is gonna be bad, uh, and it was against well, Georgia. Well, well, three, three, five, and 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 we haven't confused, and we haven't changed our signals, so Michigan's confused as to what we're actually doing. <laughs> yeah. So Georgia, it's like Georgia's like, yeah. Um, yeah, we're just going to run over you. Okay, go go do that. Yeah. Whereas you know, um, but yeah, they they those, really got better at beating that with the pass. They did not throw the ball well. They really had to rely on the run last year. So they they figured out how Jeff did how to dice that up in an aggressive manner. Because in all the with TCU, West Virginia, Iowa State, those games were the games Oklahoma threw the ball vertically the best. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's 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 a that's a great wrap up. So, Caleb, as we mentioned, kind of in the lead, the, the madness has begun, and there are already portal names out there left and right, and it's not really even technically really the portal. So, here's some very early portal names for some that are fascinating to think about, and also maybe some names that OU will consider. So, one of the first names is Spencer Brown from Michigan State, a big offensive tackle. Uh, a lot of experience um, playing at Michigan State. I can't say I've watched a lot of film on him, but he's getting a lot of interest from from programs. Uh, I, OU needs, you know, when I when I look at this, Caleb, I, I kind of look at OU spending uh, seven seven ships ideally in the portal. So they need a senior offensive tackle, an underclassman offensive tackle, the best guard they can find the best senior tight end they can find two defensive tackles, you know, best available 
and, and, and I think a cornerback best available. So that's kind of where I'm going. I don't think, they, not, I don't think this is a 15, 18 player portal class for you. I think it's like seven to eight. Maybe it goes a little higher if some elite talents kind of slip their way into OU where you're, where it's like, this is, this person is a roster upgrade regardless of what we have. Yeah. I think having, I agree. I think in a perfect world, this will be Brent's truly his second class. You're right. But yeah. technically his third, uh, I think you would start, you would in a perfect world. You would say, okay, you're starting to see guys really develop and your your need to go in the portal and go get get someone is is diminished. Uh, I, but I agree. I, I I agree completely. I think offensive line. You need a a pretty a heavy offensive line portal class. And uh, again, I think it's it's a fine. It's okay. I mean, Michigan is playing anywhere from two to three starters uh, are portal guys. You know, center, right tackle, left tackle. I know. Uh, I think the Hinton kid's been banged up a little bit. The right tackle transfer from Stanford, but you know, center and left tackle transfers, and and they're maybe the best offensive line in the college football. They're definitely among the conversation. So, I think, and that's after having transfer center last year. That's right. The, the the Virginia kid, right? Do I have that right? That's right. Yeah, I think run, so won the Remington Award. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's it's not a sign that O O line development and recruiting has collapsed completely. You know, you it's it's you know you're losing Guyton to the NFL early, right? So to me, ideally, you'd have Guyton and Sexton as your tackles next year, and you'd be like, yeah, that's that's really pretty damn good. But Guyton's leaving. Yeah, so. Guyton's going to be a top. You know, I think he's got a chance to go top ten once he starts testing. I know yeah. his film will be hit or miss, but I mean, to be honest with you, so is Anton Harrison's. You know, you watch like Lewis. And Anton's Anton's had a fantastic rookie year. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's certain positions, especially at the NFL level, that it is a it is trait dependent, and offensive tackles chiefly among those. Like, do you have the ability, you know, the athletic ability to stay in front of Max Crosby? Do you have the length to combat his length? If you've got those things, you. You got a chance. If you don't have those things, you don't have a chance. And so, yeah, he, he'll go. So, I mean, I agree completely. I think in a perfect world, the guy like Spencer Brown, you can you can bring in. He's, you know, multi-year starter. He's going to be a one-year rental from Michigan State. Another kid, and, you know, it's funny. I mentioned him a couple of weeks back when there started to be yeah, some we've, rumors. we've talked about him on our admin chance. Yeah, like that. and I think I put him on the board, and it was funny. <laughs> on the board, I commented. I was like, boy, I really would love to see now that Tom Allen is gone at Indiana – uh, the Carter Smith or left tackle, you know, if he goes in the portal, don't know that he will. He would be interesting. No sooner than I say that, I don't know. Three minutes later, he Car, Carter Smith tweets it, and Saptown has it on the board. The moment he tweets it, it was yeah. it's kind of funny. But he's an interesting to me because he, you know, he redshirted year one this past year. He was a redshirt freshman, started every game at left tackle for Indiana, and, and on a on a, you know. Indiana had some issues and they were primarily, you know, not great at quarterback, not great at the skill spots, but they fought, uh, not bad. They're good in the trenches. You know, again, we, you know, I talked about this, you know, one of Oklahoma's best defenders is an Indiana transfer and Michigan, one of their best, probably their second best offensive player is a tight end transfer from Indiana. So you could get really good players. I think, uh, one of the best defensive tackles last year class was the Braden Fisk out of Western Michigan. It's starting yep, for Florida state FSU. and he is fantastic. So you'll get him coming out of everywhere. Uh, but he, he's a, he'll have three years left 
uh, you know, and then, yeah, you, you said, you know, go find an interior guy because everything it's, it looks like Rame is gone. Uh, but that's fine because I think Everett uh, will step in at center and, and be as equal, if not better, to be quite honest with you, at center, right? Uh, and, and you've got Caden Green, you've got Jake Sexton, you know, but, you you know, to be able to go get some, some additional tackle help and some tackle depth, because, you know, we saw it this year, right? You lose Guyton for a period of time to that, you know, to get into a concussion or a neck injury. And you have Walter Rouse dealing with being banged up a little bit. You better have a third tackle that you feel really good about that you can win with. So, that you know, getting two in this class uh, and, then a, and then an interior guy would be would be huge. Uh, and then we'll, we'll see where guys like Logan Howland are at. Cause you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, through the, through the ceiling potential. Yeah. I mean, you, like you said, the Indiana guy, if he was to get him, then all of a sudden that's sort of like a third player from the 22 class, right? Cause he would be a redshirt sophomore next year. So instead of just Jake Taylor and Sexton, now you have Jake Taylor, Everett, and Carter Smith. So now through the portal, you've kind of made the 22 class a four offensive lineman class. So you've, you've kind of balanced those numbers out a little bit, which would be nice. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. So there's a couple of names. Davion Carter is a Memphis offensive guard. That's apparently he's at the portal. He's, he's been, he's apparently highly rated by folks and uh, he's going to garner a lot of interest. Um, a blast from the past, a really interesting name. I'm not quite sure what I would recommend you do. Relique Brown hit the portal, which is which is odd and fascinating because, you know, he, he was all set to be a Sooner, all set to be part of the 22 class. Then he switched to stay to go with Lincoln Riley, and it's, it's just not worked out at USC at all. Caleb, do you... Would you go for Relique Brown or would you take a pass? Pers- I would pass, but but okay. me passing has probably well, and I'll give you why. So one, I don't know how he fits. He's what five eight, one hundred eighty pounds. I don't know if he's an every down running back. He's probably more of a, a scat back type, a change of pace, yep. and uh, maybe can play some of the slot. But USC tried him in the slot, and they tried him at running back, and. Say everything you want to about Riley. He usually does a pretty good job of like, you know, if you're a fast athletic guy and a dynamic playmaker, he can find ways to get you the ball in space. And he, they weren't able to do that with Relic. Uh, the other thing, you know, I guess maybe three things is like we've talked about Oklahoma's probably going to be numbers crunched a little bit. They've got a lot of running backs. Uh, yeah. And, He's just to waste another spot there. And then with Brown in particular, I put this on the board. My question, and I really wonder if he's not a really good example of someone that you see this a lot, right? Who he is as an athlete and as a player was just maxed out at 15 years old when he was a sophomore. Like that was, he's that same player today as a sophomore in college as he was a sophomore in high school. Well, that guy is at, at, at modern day as a sophomore in high school is lighting the world up. That guy in the at Pac-12, it's the best version of the Pac-12 in 30 years, or maybe not 30, but maybe 20, right? Uh, 18 years when, when Pete was there, you're not going to light it up. You're going to be a good player, average, above average player, but there's just not like this this big development 
that you've seen. Whereas, hey, you know, you've gotten. I don't see him being a more dynamic, more explosive, better, stronger runner. I don't see those things from him as a sophomore in college. You don't see this big development from a sophomore in high school. Yeah, there's um, there is a tight end from North Carolina called Kamari Morales who hit the portal last year with Drake. Is this year his stats aren't so great, but last year when Drake May was throwing the ball all over the place, he had a really good, really good productive, um, a productive year, nearly 400 yards receiving, uh, four or five touchdowns. So he's six two, two forty five. So that, that's going to be an interesting mix there. And then um, uh, the last sort of interesting name is uh, Josie uh, Malaska from Utah as a cornerback, 6'1", uh, 180, I think, 175, Oklahoma high school player, fast track, serious track speed. Kind of probably a miss from the Lincoln-Riley years in terms of evals. And OU's after his brother uh, in the 2026 class, uh, Evanson Malaska. Um, so... He's a cornerback at Utah. I, I love what Utah does defensively. I think that's a good staff. They make good evaluations. If he's looking to come back home and that's the only real issue, if you added him into the mix at cornerback, I think that's not a I, I think I think I could live with that. So um just some of the names that have just started. Uh the other day, it's not in the I hadn't planned on talking about him, but Thor Griffin is also in the portal and and uh, Caleb. Um, is the entire Ivy League first team in the portal? Because it sure seems that way. I, I believe they are. I believe the uh, – <laughs> I joked, right? Like uh, you, you better believe that if you give Ivy League kids the opportunity to exploit capitalism to the utmost, uh, they will do it. And it appears that has become the new rule of thumb is go to the Ivy League, make first or second team all Ivy League, get into the portal, try to get to a Power 5 group, and make, right, graduate, 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 get, graduate. Get, get, get that Ivy League degree, get the Ivy League degree, right make all the connections, right? Uh, so-and-so's funds come in and recruited you and you've talked to them and you've interned with them one summer, but now you're going to go make a million dollars so you can get a good head start on your, your hedge fund. And that's, that's, that's what it looks like to the point that I, I found it's, it's an offensive tackle out of one of the Ivy League schools that I saw entered. It's like, oh, he's second team. He's a Princeton kid out of out of uh, Michigan. Really good looking tackle physically, and you know you can go find him. I'm sure. I think he was second team All Ivy League. He's he, like his first announcement before announcing, or maybe it was his second after saying I've hit the portal. Is I've signed with Equity NIL, and it was like, all right, like like tell me what this is about. You know, you, we, you know what it's about. Like it's about like, hey, they found that it's. Hey, good on them, I suppose, right? I don't really mean that. But, uh, you know, like it's – you got the ability to go get a, great, get a great education, and if you develop as a football player, you're now given like a one-year or a two-year window from an eligibility standpoint where it's like I can also go make some really good money renting out my services to a team that needs a stopgap. Yeah, because it's 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 tackles, it's uh, tight ends, defensive tackles, yeah. Tackles. It's 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 interesting that there's because their season was over last year, so I think they actually got to end the portal a week earlier because the IVs do their own thing. They're not part of the they're not part of the the lower level playoffs, right? They just they don't participate in any of that. I believe that's correct. So that's I think it's just you know. yeah. So they're in there. So anyway, this one guy he was in Bruce Feldman's 
top 100 freaks in college football. And his name's, well, first off, I don't know if it's his, I don't know if that's his given name, but his first, anybody who's, anybody who's, who's ballsy enough to go around calling themselves Thor, right? Uh, has to be, you know, cause you can't be five, nine and 150 pounds and call yourself Thor unless you're Norwegian, you know, but you can't be, have the last name Griffith and, and call yourself Thor unless you're, 6'2", 320 pounds like he is. And he's, he apparently throws around absurd weight, runs a 4'9", has really good stats. So Reminded um, of all the you know, Icelandic you, guys in the 90s that were uh, competing in the World Strongman. I, 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 look, I would, I'd offer Magnus Magnuson's kid a defensive line scholarship right now or an offensive tackle scholarship. If he was, if he was sitting in a Norwegian village and he was still – and he was, his dad was having him – train and throw kegs over walls um what walls right now i would i would still offer like just offer the guy just bring him to norman and teach him how to be an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle because the, the kid's gonna be six six three hundred and twenty pounds and 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 you know inhumanly strong yes right but if you if you if you're like you know but if you're like if your last name's griffith or like you know nielsen or you know, or Nelson or Brown or something like that. And you, and you, and you, and you're choosing the Thor as your, as your first name. You, you, you got to back it up, right? You can't, you, you can't, you can't be, you can't not, not be six to 200, you know, 320 pounds. So he followed, you know, Brent, uh, what now just to recap the way Twitter is the key tool here is, with a lot of the transfer portal guys, our only real sign of this is going to be coaches follows and follow backs from the players. Unless the players tell us explicitly that they got an offer from OU, we're not really going to know. So it's going to be so on our, the way we handle this on Sooners360.com is we have a great resource named Saptown Sooner, and he is able to manage the labyrinth of whatever Elon's turned X into Twitter <laughs> and tracks and tracks all of this to let us know who OU is following and who they're tracking. Now, this is a good, they're not offering everybody. They're not going to bring in everybody, but this is our best way of tracking what's going on. And the names we brought to you today is names of interest. And some of these guys are being followed like Kamari Morales and Spencer Brown and uh, Jocelyn Malaska being followed by OU coaches. Um, Davion Carter being followed. I don't think um, your Indiana offensive tackle is being followed by OU yet. Yeah, I don't, I I will, yeah, I don't believe so. So I noticed that Phil Lodeholt does, so he's an analyst for the offensive line. He does follow him, but I'm pretty sure that is – That's a good sign. That's a good well, sign. Well, I think that may be relating back to – it is a good sign because he would be aware of – him entering, yeah. uh, but I think it may relate back to when Phil was at Ole Miss. Oh, okay. Um, or it could be high school, or the uh, when the kid was in high school. Yeah, yeah, because because they did uh, Ole Miss did recruit him out of high school. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so that's that's where OU is. It's going to get a by the time we record next week, it's going to be a lot more interesting. Um, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with high school recruiting as OU heads towards signing day. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see if OU, I mean, had no new offers this week, which, you know, was a little surprising to me. I thought we'd at least see one high school offensive lineman offer. Maybe, 
maybe maybe they do have something up their sleeve about their somebody they're trying to flip and they're keeping it at keeping it on the lowdown. Well, I will say this, and I and I really do mean it, and I you know this is not like a revisionist view of Grant Bricks. Absolutely, one hundred percent wanted Grant Bricks, but and same thing with Dozy, right? You do run into a numbers crunch, and if you've got, you know, you need a, let's say you need, let's say they want four, you know, uh, portal guys, right? Like, hey, we need to go get two young guys, two old guys. You know, we're going right, to go. Right, it works out. They got best, best availables worked out. Yeah, right? we're going to go get like another Troy Everett, and we're going to get, you know, someone that we're going to get in here. He's going to develop. He's going to be our guy, you know, in uh, when, you know, whomever leaves, right. But we're also going to get two veterans. Like you're going to have, have to have those numbers. Like you're going to have to have those scholarships available. So, uh, you know, I just think offensive line needs a big portal class. So, you know, if you're, if you're telling me, Hey, Caleb, you can, Oklahoma could land, you know, uh, let's say Carter Smith is a, you know, future NFL caliber offensive tackle and not saying he's going to be a, a pro bowler or a first round draft pick, but let's just say, you know, he's, he's a guy that gets drafted in the third or fourth round and like a, you know, Donald Stevenson and, and plays, you know, six, eight years for telling me you could have that right out the gate and he walks in and starts for you opposite Sexton, right. At right tackle going into next year, uh, as Oklahoma moves into the sec or grant bricks and what he might be. Yeah. I, I would take Carter Smith there, you know, uh, nine times, out of nine, just because, you know, hey, it's uh, – I hate the portal being this, but you can almost always go find another one. Well, I mean, you know, it was a little funny. Everyone sort of reacted like, you know, I, I love Grant Bricks as a prospect, but Grant Bricks wasn't playing right tackle for OU next fall. That's exactly right. That's And that's – like that's the thing is you get him and uh, maybe – Now, he could be the 2027 20, right tackle or a 2020 – Six right tackle, but you know Grant Bricks. You know everyone's like, you know, is crying over Grant Bricks a little bit. I'm like, he's not starting for OU next this this fall. I mean, it, that, that's not happening. Yeah, if, if he did, if he did, he he's was a lot of work. Definitely going to be a future, you know, top ten pick like that caliber yeah, of guy. That, that, but, I, but I wasn't tracking. It's not like Caden Green, who I think you know has played well, but you know Caden played a much, you know, um, I. Grant plays small school. My brother was a little little worried about was a little worried about Grant with his small school Iowa, you know, the level of competition that like, yeah, he's got great potential, but I I don't see him as a I don't see him as a true freshman starter kind of guy. Yeah. Okay. That's fair that's fair enough. Yeah, and I I I can see that absolutely. As opposed to Eddie Pierre Louis, who I could maybe see coming in and doing something as a freshman, just because Florida level of competition, you know, playing the, the kind of schools he does in Tampa. Yeah, playing against uh, Division One talent like on a weekly basis, it's not going to yeah. be, you know, seeing that another whole, guy is not going to be shocking. Is loaded with kids, right? So yeah. If he did, he was going to be able to pull something off, and he's also bigger, right? He's, you know, Bricks is six six, you know, two ninety. He's he's not the. You know, he's not, he's not that ready-made frame. I mean, yet. to me, um, you're, you know, like Bricks to me is like the guys you see that go to Iowa that, yeah. you know, in three years' time when they're redshirt sophomores, they're all Big Ten, and you get three yeah. years of them being all Big Ten. And then it was Brandon Sheriff drafted into, uh, you know, or Shreif. Wolf, yeah. Wilf, Wilf, yeah. Sheriff, Wilf. Yeah, it, whole, it's those guys, you know, right, that are – Was Bacteri Iowa? Bacteri, no, I don't think he was. Yeah, I think David Bacteri was. 
He may have not have been. But no, but the, no. you know, but those but to your point, right? All those guys yeah. were four to five year bakes. You know, they were not even 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 Tristan Wirfs, right? He was a four year guy at Iowa, I'm pretty sure. I do not believe he was like a three and done. It's it was guys that come in or, you know, he, and he was one of their more talented well, guys. Well, Ferentz knows O-line recruiting, right? I mean, this is he knows O-line development. This is Oh crap, yeah. Which is which is why their offensive ineptitude is so is so baffling, right? Cuz you would think cuz from our perspective the is historic is because from our perspective the O-line part is the hardest part, right? I mean, in our, in our region we're surrounded by quarterbacks and wide receivers, right? It's just in Oklahoma's region, right? It's like you know, you can't, you know, there's wide receivers everywhere. How do you, how do you not have any skill speed, right? Well, it's just like it's just astonishing to see a university that would produce that level of offensive linemen, and even even the guys, let's say, weren't being drafted in the first round, are, are guys that are really good, you know, and and are, are really still well thought of, right? Maybe drafted late or you know uh, invited to camp, and so it was just really odd to see this university with a plethora of, of stud offensive linemen. Always a top fifteen, top twenty defense, and then and tight end and, and tight ends stud, tight end. and stud and tight, tight ends. ends. Yet they couldn't find, they can't find a way to score twenty points. It's, it's just, it's just, it's and and they're, and, and, they're gonna, and their defense is going to play its heart out, and they're going to get stomped thirty to nothing by Michigan. Yeah, I, I am with you there. I, I'm, I'm probably most interested to see if if Iowa can score on Michigan. I don't, I don't, I, I what. Michigan's better than Penn State, and the Penn State held Iowa to what, like fifty-six point? Uh, sorry, fifty-six yards, and like ten minutes of possession or something like that, or twenty, thirty plays, or yeah, and the, and thirty-one to nothing, right? Yeah, and they had seventy-six total yards of offense, fifty-six passing yards, twenty yards rushing, and a two-point-three yards per play average. And and it, but they only had so many plays too, right? The number of plays was small. Oh, it couldn't have been many because they only had four first downs. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so I mean, um, you're not getting <laughs> like you're getting, you know, your first three, and then you know, an additional what that twelve. You're getting. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just crazy. It's crazy, but yeah. So, um, nine, again, one for I think nine if they, on third down, so they only got again, to third th- down nine times. You know, again, you know. I'd much rather OU has Spencer Brown potentially at offensive tackle than a true freshman. You know, I think to that point, the best true freshman and then the allegedly the best true freshman offensive tackle in the country was Caden Proctor. And he struggled all year at Alabama. Oh, yeah, every time he's faced a speed rusher, he has he has had just I mean, massive Texas issues. abused Texas abused him. I mean, yeah, and that, that's so that's the thing, right? Like in a perfect world, you get both. In a perfect world for Oklahoma, you land yeah. Grant Bricks, and you're able to get Carter Smith or Spencer Brown, and you plug them in, and Grant Bricks red shirts plays four games freshman year and he develops and bakes behind him exactly what like what Jake Sexton has done right yeah to some regard and, I mean Jake Sexton outplayed Caden Proctor this year right yo yeah yeah I mean I, I don't know Proctor definitely played more snaps so you have to you'd have to say you sure know, but overall if yeah. overall if you looked at them you would be like okay probably I mean I think that's a it's I a, know it's a toss. Up. It's a toss up, at least. It's a, yeah, and I it's haven't a watched. Convers- it's a conversation. At I least. know. Yeah, I say I, the only I I did watch some of the Auburn game, and he struggled again. Anytime somebody's athletic, and early in the year, he looked 
I'm I'll be this I've actually been he must have gotten better, Proctor, because early in the year when you watched him, I, I, I immediately thought he's gonna get yanked and he may end up being a bust, or they're gonna have to try to get him to drop weight, kick him to right, or they're gonna have to move him to guard. And he stayed at left tackle the whole year, so I imagine he had to have gotten better. Uh but he, that, probably but, be that, but that gives you an idea of how yeah. much he struggled. He might be I'm saying all this and uh apparently he'll be in Norman in late November, and he'll probably he'll look just awesome next year. So, all oh, right, well, Caden. He, he'll, he'll look Caden great. We'll bury, we'll bury, he'll look great and just bury us. So, all right, Caden, you, you'll get your revenge on us uh, if you have, not that you're listening to this podcast. So, all right, guys, that's the news that we've got. We've got our part two for you guys coming up where we do a tamper draft. We're basically stealing the best players from college football to upgrade OU's roster. And by stealing, I mean stealing. So, you'll look for that part two to come out later this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can follow me on XCM underscore Sooners360. You can find me at Sooners360.com with Caleb. We're having all kinds of good discussions about portal players, offensive line recruiting, who's going to be OU's next offensive coordinator. It's OU's regular season is over, but the discussions over at Sooners360.com on our message board are continuing, and they are excellent discussions. Good posters over there. No, no trolls, no crap. Just good, good message, good message board discussion. Which I know sounds like a uh, sounds like an impossibility, but we actually have it over there. So, thanks everyone for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. And the madness will, I'm sure, have continued. Mm-hmm.